Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a conversation about faith, music, and culture. Join Shine.fm's ministry director, Brian McIntyre-Utter, and his son, Jake, around the table for this week's chat. Welcome to The Kitchen Table. My name is Jake. And I'm Brian. And we are so glad to have you back again with us for another episode of The Kitchen Table. Quick rundown of why and how we started this show. I went to college, and we wanted to keep having faith discussions And luckily, I went to college that was really close to where, actually, it's the same place that my dad works at. And then also, it's it's closer to home than my high school was, so that's kind of funny. And we just wanted to encourage families to have these conversations. We think it's important to have faith discussions between parents and young adults because we think that's special and important. So that's why we started this. We put it in podcast form because that's fun. It also gives (laughs) us a time to just talk and be dad and son while being on air about it. And ironically, with the quarantine of COVID-19, we're actually sitting in our house today for this yes, episode. Yes, we are. We're recording on a card table, not I, the kitchen table. I said table. we should have put it on the kitchen table, but mom took it over as her office. Yeah, mom's, mom's got the dining room table as, as office and mask making central. Yep. So uh, we are in my home office on a card table recording the show today. So we start off the show with a faith discussion We talk about relevant things, so a lot of it has been around faith and coronavirus, because that's life right now. Yeah. But we typically spend about 20 to 30 minutes talking about the faith discussion for the week, and then we move into a segment called Music Matters. And in Music Matters, we just talk about music, because we think music matters, pretty simply put. And we have Easter songs And we do have Easter songs today. And then Dad, in that segment, throws an oldie but goldie, because that's what he's always done with my life, and he's taught me the old in appreciating old music. And I have a super old, super classic Easter song today. Okay. He gets really hyped up for those, and I just <laughs> I let him have his geek out moment of 80s rock. 70s. 70s, okay, sorry. And then we move into a segment called Culture Shock. And Culture Shock, we look at people who are making a difference, and honestly, this uh, COVID-19 episode that we're facing globally has really brought out some things in certain people, certain celebrities, and they're sharing things that make a difference for the kingdom. That's what Culture Shock is all about. So today's episode, again, we're going to continue on the COVID-19 thread. I know you're like, can we talk about something else? Yeah, I've been begging to But just, honestly, this yeah. is this is what consumes our minds, and we're doing stuff that we think is important during this mm-hmm. time. We've talked about um, why is this all happening from a faith perspective. We talked about choosing faith over fear. Today, we're going to be um, talking about overcoming COVID-19. Yeah. We actually have a survivor's story. Uh, we're super excited to uh, welcome... Lamoris and Megan Crawford, they're good friends of ours, and uh, they are here with us and going to be sharing their story. They are on, on the other side of a diagnosis. Uh, Lamoris is the chaplain for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, they're both graduates of Olivet Nazarene University as well, so it's great to have them here today. First question, we want you to go back to March 20th. It's 3.45 in the morning. You're lying on your bathroom floor. What's going through your mind? Oh, man. I am I didn't think I was going to get up. Um, I thought I was honestly about to die. And um, Megan was sleeping and she had been taking care of me, the kids, the house, everything. And I knew she was tired. So I didn't want to wake her up. And so I was trying to be very quiet, but I wasn't feeling well. And so I had to go to the bathroom. So I sit down. My body began to do something I've never experienced before. And I just knew it was over because of what was happening in me. I had never experienced. I've never felt like this. And everyone's in the house sleep. And so the thought came to my mind, like, you know, I do not want my wife to wake up and I'm dead on the floor. Hmm. And so right before I fell on the floor, 
I hear this voice that goes, are you okay? And Megan woke up. And it was like peace in my soul because now I wasn't alone. And so I fall on the floor. I can't get up. And so she gets up, turns on the light. I think she called 911. You start getting ready? I, yeah, I just checked. Well, I just stood in shock for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, she was like kind of, yeah. <laughs> Trying to figure out if I needed to call the ambulance or if I needed to like rush to a side or just too many thoughts were going on in my mind. Mm-hmm. But I was also watching him because he was trying to stand up. And I was like, don't, you don't need to stand up. And then he did stand up. So at that point, I just started getting things ready to go and, to the hospital. Yeah. The emergency room. While I was there, this thought, like, honestly, I had no fear of dying. It wasn't no fear on that end. I knew where I was going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew what Jesus did on the cross to pave the way for me to see the Father. I believed that. I lived that. But the only time fear hit is when I thought of Megan with no husband and my kids with no father. And that got me. It wasn't even how I was feeling. I just knew I was going to die. So I, I was fine. But those two thoughts is really what got me. And so I stood up in my bathroom is leaning to the right. I'm like, why is my bathroom sideways? Well, come to find out I was leaning on one foot tilted to the right and didn't know it. I thought I was standing up straight and I don't know how, but I made it to the bed and I'm sweating profusely. And she's helping me get my socks on, pants, had to change my shirt and uh, we beelined it to the emergency room. Yeah. So how did these symptoms start? I mean, they didn't obviously start out like that. So how did you start noticing the symptoms? Yeah. So we travel a lot, quite a bit off season. And so we had just been on a plane. We flew to Colorado, came home a couple of days, flew to Arizona, flew to Chicago. By the time we got home, I'm thinking, they were just tired, maybe a little jet lag. And then it wasn't jet lag. (laughs) I think it was day two or three. I don't quite remember. I, I began throwing up. Megan had leaned over and was like, you know, you've only been sick one time in our marriage. Mm. You know, I talked to my roommate. He remembered me being sick one time in college. And then I remember being sick one time in high school, one time in middle school. That's the only time I recall ever being sick. Yeah, it was day three or four since we had been home. But that evening, whatever that evening was, whether it was day three or four, I can't remember. He just had a little cough and we were like, that's weird, but I'm sure it's fine, you know? And then he was like, it's freezing in our house. But it was a little chilly. But, like, I was okay. The kids seemed fine. So I was like, I'm not – it was just strange, right? Mm-hmm. So then the next day, that morning, he did vomit once. And then – but he had cold chills that just kept coming, mm-hmm. which obviously is very strange. Yeah, and then I had loss of taste and smell. Mm-hmm. That came later. Yeah, we were thinking it, but I don't think we really spoke it. Like we thought it. Well, I thought for sure he had it, but we yeah. weren't really talking because he was sleeping a lot. Yeah. So I would go upstairs to check on him. And throughout the night, I would like put my hand to check his head and it just made sense. So the first time when we had gone to the emergency room, which at that point was day five into it, I had already, I'm sorry, I should back up. The next morning, like his first full day of, being symptomatic, I called the hotline, which is this Intermountain hotline for, honestly, I didn't even know if it was real. (laughs) I just found it online and it was at the beginning where no one was really talking about that. And I started talking to this online service and they're asking questions. And then at the end, it says, if you like, don't feel like this was thorough enough or you're not as comfortable, you can call this number. So I called the number 
and spoke with someone and it was basically the same thing. Like, have you traveled outside of the country? No. Okay. Well, it's probably not a big concern, but you have been traveling. I'll have a nurse call you back. I was like, great. So a few hours later, a nurse called and I gave her all the symptoms. Same thing though. Well, you haven't traveled outside of the country. I was like, right. But we've been to a lot of international airports and I just knew that it was problematic in itself. And so, and we had practiced really good hygiene, but it was just too crazy at this point. I'm watching all the president's addresses to the nation and like learning all about COVID. And I'm like, it's kind of all over and they don't really know. And so that's when that I believe was like our first step into getting him a test. Because at the end of that phone call, that nurse said, if you have any more problems, if there are any more symptoms, take him to the emergency room and let them know that you've been screened for COVID-19. I was like, oh, okay. So we believe that was our step into getting a test. Yeah. And so they took a test for strep, flu, and a COVID test. Three days later, I was back in the emergency room. Five days. No, five days. Yes, five days. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot of, a lot of, <clears throat> and, um, sleepy. And tests. so they gave me fluids. And that's why I found out my results for flu and strep that they were negative. But the results for COVID hadn't still came in. And this is five fact, days after the test, right? Correct. Okay. Right. So we still didn't know anything about COVID-19. It was just the flu and strep because typically, you know, if you go to the ER, they're going to tell you the results right then. So it was very bizarre and we understand and totally respect the healthcare system, but he was in and out so quickly that I was kind of like, this is a problem. He's not okay, but you're sending us home. Yeah. My first hospital visit, I had, they didn't give me the results Hmm. or flu and strep. Right. I found that out five days later mm-hmm. when I went again. And then it was a total of 11 days mm-hmm. until we got the results that I tested positive for COVID. Yeah. So at this point, you're isolating in home, I'm assuming. There was no hospital stay? No, no hospital stay. I, I didn't have any breathing, major breathing issues. Mm-hmm. If I would take a deep breath, my lungs would hurt a little bit. And so I just quarantined in my room and kept the kids out, but my brave, amazing wife <laughs> slept with me every night. And so I was grateful for that because no one wants to feel alone during a sickness. And so she braved it and slept with me every night and, and took care of me. And so I'm very grateful for that. So yeah, we isolated, kept the kids out pretty much. And I pretty much stayed in the, in our bedroom. Uh, for a lot of days. so Yeah. And actually when he received the results for COVID-19, it was 16 days from the first day. Wow. So we were already at that point, he was almost over it. I mean, he wasn't well, but significantly better than how we began. Yeah. So with having coronavirus, you've obviously exposed your wife and children. Are they tested and positive with Corona or is it just been you? No, we didn't get the kids or Megan tested. We felt that in some way they dealt with some minor symptoms mm-hmm. and believed that potentially, yeah. but nothing major to have to go to the emergency room. Yeah, I think that as I was researching and reading it, I really understood like the understanding of the um, potency that there are different like degrees and levels you can get it, which we were all hearing. If you were watching the news, you were hearing that, but really understanding what that meant was different. Like we were in all the same places. I was on the plane with him. I was, even when we um, were in Chicago, we were marrying a couple 
even then we were together the whole time. We were, we did all the same things before that he spoke at a big event. I just never left him for any of those things. And so I think that a lot of it had to have been a direct contact for him. And then obviously how your bodies respond. I definitely felt like I had like a severe flu because I've had the flu many times. So he doesn't really even know to what extent that can feel like either because he doesn't hardly get sick. Mm-hmm. But had he not been the way he was, I would have just been in bed the whole time as well. So our kids had like broken up symptoms. It was very strange. The night I brought him back from the first trip, day five into the process, I got a phone call from our friend, our nanny. She lives with us. And she was like, I know you don't want to hear this, Meg, but Amaya, our nine-year-old, she's got a fever of 101. And she said she has a really bad headache. And so I think that was the beginning for her. And it was right. It was like, right in a row where then it was my son. He had a bad headache. My other son had a really bad headache and didn't want to eat, felt nauseous. My other daughter who's seven, she had a tummy ache for one of the days all day. And then the next day had just like, she just couldn't stop coughing. But then that was it. It was like each one of them had a really bad symptom for one day and kind of kept them. And I just put each one of them in their own rooms and kind of quarantined that way. And then our friend who does live with us and helps with our kids, she also tested positive for COVID-19. So that was after. So we, I mean, we were all safe to assume after we found out he had it, that we probably were all going to have it or already had it. And so each, it was just interesting that all living under the same roof, we had such different symptoms present. She was having trouble breathing and it did hurt more that way. She felt like she had pneumonia. Whereas I felt like I had like a severe flu and then he slept like nonstop for nine days and nights and went through all of that weakness and fatigue and all of the symptoms that come with it. Well, Morris has uh, described a little bit of his emotion during that time and, and the fears that he did have. Meg, how were you feeling? What was going through your mind through all of this emotionally? Yeah, it was crazy because I would watch the news every day and think, I mean, maybe he doesn't have it, but then I would be reading all this and, and I am one to web MD something quickly. However, I also have wisdom in the fact of like, I don't let that be like my fear or the way I am driven, obviously, because no one knows anything about it. I was listening to Dr. Fauci like every day, trying to gain some wisdom and understanding. And so I would listen to it every day, go upstairs and check on him. It was kind of the same routine every single day. Make sure my kids were doing their own thing separately. Make sure the house was completely sanitized and cleaned every day. That took me probably just 40 minutes in itself. And then making sure he was eating and drinking because he couldn't really. So I'd wake him up. He would promise me he was going to. I would go out and do laundry or or clean or something, come back in and he was asleep and hadn't touched anything. And so for me, that was what was scary because I'm like, he's not... There's just no part of him that's getting the nutrition he needs or the liquid that he needs. Mm -hmm. And so every day I cried once probably, and I would make it short, but then I would just really press into the Lord and just listen. I would spend so much time worshiping. And we, a lot of times we listen to worship throughout the day and at night in our room, but never in an area where there's no one. And so every night I would turn Alexa on and have her play worship all night downstairs. I just felt like we needed to just completely fill the house with praises. And I took communion one time on my own because, you know, we're one. So for his body as well. And then a few days into it, he was feeling just well enough to like sit up and talk to me a little bit. So then I took communion up so we could do it together. And then when he was almost on the mend, our entire family did it. So I just believe going through that process was like a lot of prayer and a lot of understanding that 
I myself have dealt with a lot of things physically and health wise, and it's not been good. And he's always been there. And so it was easy for me to just be like, okay, he did it. It, it's not simple, but right now he's not at the capacity that he needs to lead or even pray or intercede for himself. And so I just made sure every single day, even if I needed to cry and let it out emotionally, that I stopped it and changed any anxiety that I had into worship and just thanking God that he was going to be healed and whole and believing that. Like literally every morning I thought he's going to be better. And when he wasn't, that's when I was like, oh. Like you're not, he would say, yeah, I think so. Cause he wanted to be better too. Mm-hmm. And then he fell asleep. And then I did the whole thing over again. Looking back on all that your wife has done for you through all of this, how does that make you feel? I'm married up. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. I'm married up Sweet. and it just, it just really revealed what I already knew that she was an awesome woman and that she cared for me and my family to be there in a space where I couldn't and to stand in the gap uh, of intercession and prayer and emotional support, spiritual support. And so, man, you know, for me, I, I was talking to a good friend of mine last night and he's like, man, your wife, you know, woman of the year. I said, nah, bro, my wife is woman of a decade, <laughs> you know? And uh, so they're definitely grateful for her, you know, everything she, she went through during that time with me and our kids and family, definitely grateful. You know, a lot of the questions that have been thrown around is when we get back to normal and there's some thoughts that there's going to be a new normal. Describe how this has changed you as individuals, but also changed your family. Oh, absolutely. What was interesting about the Crawford family is since day one, we've always we've made a conscious decision that we will build upon the rock. That's been since day one. And so for us. This was more of the opportunity to live what we believe, right? Mm-hmm. And so now on the other side is giving us just even more intensity for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. We want to preach the gospel, make disciples, build marriages. Every avenue that God has given us to serve with our gifts and talents, we want to take it to the next level. Yeah, for our outlook now is just more intense to, to, to fulfill the call in the dreams and the passions that God Mm -hmm. has put in us to really take greater steps in faith, right? To steward the gifts, right? And not be the one who, when the Lord returned, says, what did you do with the talent? Well, I hit it, Mm -hmm. right? When you go through something like this, fear attempts to become your master Mm -hmm. when we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. Mm -hmm. And so he hid that talent out of fear. And so we don't want to let fear rule our lives. We want to walk by faith. Mm-hmm. And so if anything, I think our intensity to want to love people, serve people, help people, mm-hmm. you know, pro athletes, what we call to all those things, we just want to take it to the next level. And I think just to add to that personally, like we've always, our desire has always been, I know I can speak on behalf of both of us because this has been years in it together, but is to just be transparent and a let people know like this really is who we are. We've come in contact and, you know, rub a lot of shoulders or whatever with people of influence. And sometimes those people of influence are really disappointing. Like you walk away, like, well, you profess this. We see you say this about Jesus and this is your lifestyle and we know you and we've experienced what those fruits look like, you know, and the word says that we'll know them by their fruits. And I think for me, just if there's any more, it's just solidifying that 
thought process. Like I'm able, even right now, one of my friends is in the emergency room right now and he doesn't even know that because he was on another call. I am grateful to know that God has given us this emotional person as well. Like, do we stand in our feelings? No, we know that there there are facts and there is the truth in the word. And that's what we, that's what we live for. But I was also so thankful that God could just see me and know me. And then I could just cry in front of him and be like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to embrace that worry, but it's scary. And he knows that. Just going back to the basics of that, like this is the foundation. Why am I a Christian? Who is God? He's my father. He's a good father. And just being able to cry out to him and know that no matter what happens in this life, like this is not our home and there is healing and there is there are promises and that's what we have to stand on and that's what we have to choose to believe and not even have to, but that's what we get to do. And so I'm just thankful for that. I know that we're just going to hold our kids even more tighter mm-hmm. and even more you know, giving them the opportunity to see what God has done through us because we protected them. Mm-hmm. We didn't let them watch things and hear things about Corona. I especially didn't when he didn't feel well. And now I'm like, I want you to know everything about it so you can see what, what God, God has done. brought us through. Absolutely. I'll give you an opportunity. You've already said a lot of encouragement, but any final closing thoughts of just encouragement to families? I mean, we're all sort of in the same situation and in, in quarantine. Just some final thoughts of encouragement. Absolutely. I think twofold. Number one, God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? but of power, love, and a sound mind. Mm-hmm. And with that comes this space of we're in the world, but we're not of it. Yeah, We are called to be the hands of compassion and love to a broken world. So that's why we fight against fear so that we can love and serve others. The second thing would be pray and ask God, what does he want you to do in this time? Don't waste it. I'm writing a devotional right now. I want to finish my book. I'm writing a curriculum. I'm I'm not wasting this time. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give the enemy space to keep me frozen yeah. because that's what fear does. It freezes you from taking steps towards your God-given purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I want to encourage people to pray and ask the Lord, okay, God, what have you put in me to give to the world? It might be a blog. It might be a video series. It might be a book. It might, whatever it is, don't waste this time. Yeah. It might be a business idea. Uh, it might be a ministry idea. It might be neighbors that through six feet of separation <laughs> that God may have a word for you. It might be you cutting their grass and they don't know it, right? <laughs> so I think we should be encouraged to pray and ask God to reveal to us, what you what do you want me to do in this moment? Mm-hmm. What have you in this quarantine, Lord, speak? Because God's hands isn't tied because of Corona. Mm-hmm. If anything, God is standing up on the throne saying, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He said, let's go. He's not, God is not shocked or surprised by Corona. Yeah. <laughs> he, there is no time in eternity. He saw this already. The question is how we as the body going to respond by being the hands and the feet of Jesus. Yeah. I also think the first night that I took him, brought him home from the emergency room, he said on the way home, I just, I don't understand. And I was like, I know, I get it. And we've done a few interviews. I actually haven't been emotional at all until this one. But I was like, I I know, but we don't, it doesn't matter if we understand it or not. This is just a beautiful opportunity to thank God and keep believing what we've believed. I mean, he's walked through multiple sclerosis with me and also what I believe a healing. And also given all this, I'm like even more glory to God because I shouldn't have been sleeping in the same room with him. And I shouldn't have just had the couch, right? Corona. I should have had all underlying reasons to be in the hospital. 
there are a lot of parts to the story that people don't know because of that. I've had a blood clot in my lung, like all these things that shouldn't have made sense. It's very clear that what God has done has been provision and keeping us. And it's not, it's not, he's, he's okay. And he had a mild case and he's young and he's healthy. Thank God for those things. But the truth is God has done this. And so I would just say to stay encouraged in that, that it's not, he's not a respecter of persons. What he's made happen for us, he can and will make happen for you. So just to believe that and confess his word. Hey guys, I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your story with us. I think it's going to be an encouragement to many people. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Have a blessed Easter weekend. Just an incredible story, incredible words of encouragement. We just want to thank uh, Lamoris and Megan for sharing with us today uh, their story of overcoming COVID-19 and uh, just the survival and being out on the other side and what they've learned through that experience, especially when it comes to their faith walk. Super exciting. Hearing lots of stories like that, and we hope it's an encouragement to you. So that wraps up our faith conversation. Time now to move into Music Matters. So in Music Matters, we talk about music, simply put, again. (laughs) So, Dad, what is your song, your new song? Because he typically brings a new song. I bring, like, a song of the week. So what's your new song? I have a new song, and I have a brand new band. This is a song called Rise Up, in parentheses. Again, I've mentioned on the show before how us radio people hate when they put parentheses on song titles. Because you're like, do I say it? Do I don't say it? But it's parentheses Lazarus. Of course, Jesus. Oh, you know, you've shown me this one. This is a good one. Yeah, this, this is, is a good one. This is, uh, I, I believe they're from like Alabama, Mississippi, somewhere south like that. The band is called Kane. Song is called Rise Up. They're going to explain a little bit about the song and then we'll hear it. Rise Up came to us and we we're honestly kind of defeated. All we'd ever wanted to do was make music. And even though we were working hard at it, it felt like we were getting nowhere, you know? Like we were just circling year after year. But it was in that moment that God gave us Rise Up. See, the power in this song comes from realizing where our power truly comes from. When God promises us something, He will bring it to pass. But He's asking us to take the first step. Rise Up is a challenge to ourselves, not to stay buried, but instead to respond to His promise, to hope in what we can't see. So we pray that when you hear the song, Rise Up, it sounds like the voice of Jesus calling you out of your circumstances and into life with Him. showed me that one like last week i think and it was really good i really liked it so for my song for the week is a bigger group actually is it is it a collective i don't even know what it is it's a conference passion but it's also a church and oh it is this okay. is the worship band okay. from the church all right yeah. i was so confused because i knew passion conference because i hear you talking about it but passion it's kind of an older song but i just love it because i think this world needs healing right now it's a very dark time a very scary place and so i just thought welcome the healer in this unknown time that we live in no one knows when this is going to end no one knows except for the healer god and so i picked a song called welcome the healer by passion featuring sean curran i think it's just an important message that we need to hear right now so here is welcome the healer Incredibly powerful worship song. And again, you pick a song that's like eight minutes long. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just like, I like, I like the good ones. Yeah. All right. So are you ready? I am ready. Let's go back in time. It's our oldie but goldie. 
All right, so when you think of Easter and you're from my generation, there are like a few Easter songs out there that just like define certain decades. One of the major Easter songs from the 1970s, and this was actually the very first Christian concert I ever attended, probably the very first concert I ever attended by a guy named Dallas Holm, and this was a major song in 1977, and it's called Rise Again. So you were eight years old when you that came out. I was eight years old when that came out. Yes, but yes, I was. I'm I was, dating you. I was probably or 12, you. 13 years old when I saw him in concert oh, for the gotcha. very first time. So. Gotcha. My first concert was Skillet and Toby Mac. I remember that. You took me to that. That's right. Great show. Well, that was a great song, and that wraps up music matters. And now moving into culture shock. In Culture Shock, we look at uh, people that are making a difference for the kingdom. And, you know, this whole pandemic, COVID-19, has really made people look to faith more than anything, made people turn to prayer more than anything. And I think there's a lot of good things that come out of that. I'm looking at a celebrity this week, who's and and we've seen lots of celebrities come out and talk about different things. But this is a guy from, I guess this would be an oldie but goldie celebrity, because I'm going back to the 80s when I was a teenager and Betty watched White. and watched this guy a lot. Betty White. Not Betty White. Hulk Hogan, the wrestler. <laughs> you know, that was that was my teenage years, man. The 80s, it was all about, you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, brother, <laughs> you know. But he came out saying that uh, on his uh, Instagram, I, I believe it was, that uh, God is using this pandemic to tear down idols and to strengthen relationships with Christ which I thought was real interesting. This is what he had to say. Of course, his real name is uh, Terry Bollea, I think is how you say his last name. So he's asking people to use their free time to strengthen their relationship with Jesus. This is what he has to say. God has taken away everything we worship. God said, you want to worship athletes? I will shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians? I will shut down civic centers. You want to worship actors? I will shut down theaters. You want to worship money? I will shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. You don't want to go to church and worship me. I will make it where you can't go to church. So he posted this on his Instagram, and they posted a picture of him praying against a wall. He says, maybe we don't need a vaccine. Maybe we need to take this time of isolation from the distractions of the world and have a personal revival where we focus on the only thing in the world that really matters. He also included 2 Chronicles 7.14 in his post, which is, of course, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. By the way, there's a a great ministry that, I don't know if it's necessary a ministry, but a website called united714.com or .org, I'm not sure which one. But it is Christian leaders from around the world who have come together on this website. They have like weekly prayer guides that people can utilize and be a part of this. And so just hundreds, if not thousands of people have joined together in providing that material for just focusing our prayer globally during this time. So Hogan, Hulk Hogan, one of the celebrities who has also said on social media that this pandemic is a way to come closer to God. Also, another one is Dolly Parton. Now, we all know Dolly Parton is she's talked about her faith in the past. She says, I think God's in this. I really do. I think he's trying to hold us up to the light so we can see ourselves and see each other through the eyes of love. And I hope we learn from that. 
So it's just great that these celebrities are coming out and one, I'm sure they've had a faith journey of their own, but they're not really verbal about it, but they seem to be becoming more verbal about it and communicating just faith in Jesus Christ and communicating more of Jesus during this time and less of fear, less anxiety, and more hope and trust in him. And they're using their platforms to do that, which I think is a great thing. So God will use this for good. We already heard that in uh, Lamoris and Megan's story from earlier today, how he has used their story going through COVID-19 and coming out on the other side to really change their perspective on, on faith, for sure. So we're super excited about that and a great opportunity to be able to talk to them today. That wraps up Culture Shock. And that wraps up this episode of The Kitchen Table. If you want to stay in contact with us, there is a Facebook group. If you go to the Shine.fm Facebook page under the group tab, there should be The Kitchen Table group. And there we just want to continue on the conversation of faith and then also if you have any music or you see people in your culture in your communities making a difference because we love local personal stories yes it's awesome when we see celebrities doing these big different things but we think it's more powerful when at least i do i don't know about that Mm -hmm. i'm not speaking for him but i think it's more powerful when we see people who are just your average joe schmo i haven't done that this show yet yeah and so i think it's just really cool to see that if you want to join the group that's there So thanks so much for tuning in this week. We appreciate it each and every week. Uh, We hope that you're staying safe. and uh, Also, it's Easter. It's Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Yeah, we don't want to let that go by, but uh, super excited to be able to celebrate in a different way this year, but nonetheless, uh, celebrating nonetheless. Thanks for listening this week. Have a blessed rest of your Easter. Stay salty and lit and wash your hands. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table on the Shine.fm podcast network from Olivet Nazarene University. Be sure to subscribe for more content delivered each week on faith, music, and culture.